Good morning, Oceanside. Thank you so much for joining us again today as we gather together in our homes to worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I pray God's richest blessing over all of you over this coming year, 2021. I pray that His peace is upon you. I pray that His presence is upon you. And I pray even in these dark times that we will shine our light, the light of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. God bless you all. Church, there is no doubt that these are difficult times and uncertain times. And that in these times, at the beginning of the new year, I want to remind us that even though we might feel at times that we are walking through the valley of the shadow of death, Jesus, the shepherd of our soul, never, ever leaves us or forsakes us. In his last words to Matthew, in the book of Matthew, in Matthew 18, verse 18 to 20, Jesus comes to them and commissions them, just as he is commissioning us today. And he came to them And this is what he said. All authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And these are his final words to us in that gospel. This is what he says. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. What an amazing promise of Jesus. He never, ever leaves us or forsakes us. He's with us to the very end of this life, and He's with us for all eternity. What amazing blessing. No matter what happens, church, I want you to remember that we win, we who are saved by Lord Jesus Christ. But I also want to remind us in these times that we as members of God's household, the church of the living God, have the ability in and through Jesus Christ to bring healing and restoration to a nation. God promised this to Solomon in 2 Chronicles chapter 7. The temple had been completed. The glory of the Lord came down. Fire came down from heaven and consumed the offerings just as it did in the book of Acts, when the Holy Spirit came down at Pentecost. It came down, and in such a powerful way, the presence of God, that people in the temple fell on their faces. And it spread from there into the city and into the nation, where people walking along the streets would bow the knee and lie on their face and worship God. What an incredible picture. What an incredible blessing. And then in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, God appears to Solomon. Everybody has gone home, and God has this chat to Solomon. And this is what he says to Solomon. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven I will forgive their sin and heal their land. 
Church, the future of the land, the future of our land, Canada, lays in the hands of his people, the priesthood of all believers, the children of God. What a privilege. Now, having said that, it is true that some Bible teachers believe that this passage only applies to Israel. But whether we agree with the context or not, surely it is good for all of us to humble ourselves, for us to pray, for us to seek His face and not simply His hand, and for us to repent and turn from His wicked ways. Is it possible, church, that a spiritual uh, awakening could flow in and through the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and into our nation? The answer, I believe, is yes. Understanding that it begins with you and I, and it begins in our hearts, and it begins in our homes. It begins with us spending time in His presence. Don't you wish to feel the presence of God like they did in 2 Chronicles 7 under the Old Covenant, as Moses did when he was in the tent of meeting, and as in the book of Acts, where the Holy Spirit came in such power that in one day 3,000 people were saved, and through those 12 disciples and 120 others, they changed the known world in a couple of decades. God wants to do that in and through us, church. It also begins with us choosing our battles well. We are fighting so many battles and getting involved in so many things that we really don't know much about. And our opinions can actually get in the way and close doors to others who may have another opinion. One of my favorite songs is by Phil Wickham, The Battle Belongs to the Lord. I was actually playing it over and over again this morning. And uh, he says this, when we fight, let us fight on our knees. For the battle is not ours, it's the Lord. You see, renewal begins with His people humbling themselves. With His people, that's us, dealing with our pride. Our pride of self-sufficiency. And not only physical pride, but spiritual pride. Pride always divides and separates. In fact, Jesus himself said that a house divided will never stand. And more than that, God says through Peter and James, but in 1 Peter 5, Peter writes this, speaking to the church, speaking to all of us. In 1 Peter 5, 5, he says, all of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. You see, as pride releases division, we see that humility releases love, mercy, grace, and blessing upon our lives and on the lives of others. And we're in unity, things happen. In Midas 6.8, this is what 
the, the prophet writes about what the Lord requires, simply these things. And he says this, He has shown you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly before our God. Zechariah 1.3, God says, Return to me, says the Lord of hosts, and I will return to you. You see, humble people spend much time in prayer. They understand that the greatness they achieve is not in them, but that it flows through them, through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, in the power of the Holy Spirit. They see the divine hand of God and His grace and providence at work in their every days of life, and they give glory to Him for the very bread that they can put on their table. They understand is that God is more responsible for their achievements than they are. Their skills, talents, and natural abilities are not their own, but they are gifts given to God. Gifts to be used for His glory. Gifts that they have been blessed through Christ. Gifts that they have been blessed to use to be a blessing to others. See, humble people naturally spend time in the presence of God. It's not a chore. It's not something that they struggle with. They naturally do it. Because they recognize the absolute dependence of God in all things, including their daily bread. They understand that humility creates an atmosphere where unity thrives. And where unity thrives, God releases His commanded blessing. I've often spoke of this, and I've read much on this psalm. We don't really know who, who wrote it. But it's an amazing psalm, and, and scholars will say it was either written at the coronation of David of the whole of Israel in Jerusalem, and where the 12 tribes came together and ushered in a prosperous and unified nation. Others believe that it actually um, was written after 2 Chronicles 7 the dedication of the temple where the people came together they gave sacrificially they worshipped they sought God they were in unity and either in one of these times it seems like this psalm was written and to me it's an amazing psalm it sounds to me like God is speaking to God God the Father God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. And this is what the Father says. A Father, like any of us, who feels such an, an incredible satisfaction in our hearts when our families are in unity. Behold how good and pleasant it is when our people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down the beard, running down Aaron's bed down upon the collar of his robes. It is as if the dew of Herman 
was falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows or commands his blessing, even life forevermore. What an incredible, incredible promise. I believe those pictures of the commanded blessing of God, that's what happened in 2 Chronicles 7.14. That's what happened when David was coronated. But that's what happened when the early little church, 120 people, were in one accord, were in unity, worshipping God, not knowing what the future held, not knowing whether they would live or die, not even knowing whether there would actually be a church left over. But in that place, and in that place of unity, the Holy Spirit is poured upon them. Fire comes down again. They move from that place in unity. And Peter steps up. And as I said earlier, three or four thousand men got saved. I don't know how many women and children. But what an amazing blessing. Can a nation be saved in a day? God asked that. And the answer is, yes, it can. Yes, it can. You see, humility enables us to see the dignity and worth of all people. Old, young, rich or poor, sinners or saints. God loves us all, remembering that we are all sinners that have been saved by grace. And he wants to see them saved too, in and through us, in and through our prayers, in and through our petition, in and through our thanks, thanksgiving, and in and through us being salt and light to people around us. You see, we see in the kingdom that humility comes before honor. We see that in Philippians chapter 2, where Paul writes of the humility of God incarnate, Jesus Christ, who made himself nothing, who humbled himself and took on the nature of a servant. And because of that, God exalted him. God honored him to the highest place, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. And every tongue will confess to the glory, that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The opposite is pride glorifies self. And we know what happened to Lucifer when he thought he was bigger than God. Church, let us in this new year be a people who bring glory to God in word and deed. Let us be both salt and light. In Matthew 5, 13 to 15, Jesus tells us, we know this well, but if we could just do this, understanding that we are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, it can, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill that cannot be heaven. 
Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Lord, let's take those lamps from under our bowls. Let's take those lamps from outside of our four walls of our church. Let's take the, our lamps outside of our homes. Let's represent Christ because that is what he's talking about here. He says, instead, his people put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they might see your good deeds. And when they see that, they will glorify our Father in heaven. Let us believe for an increase in the desire to pray and seek God's face daily. Church, this is a season for us to humble ourselves, for us to seek His face. For us to believe that God can do immeasurably more than that we could even ask, pray, or imagine. And let us endeavor to live out the scripture to Chronicles 7.14. Let us be a people who walk in humility. A people for known for prayer and the presence of God. A people who, like Moses, had a tent of meeting he made an appointment time outside the busyness of running a nation of over a million people. And he spent God in God time, his time, much time in God's presence. And it says there in Exodus 33 that God would speak to Moses as he would speak to a friend. What an incredible, incredible accolade to be called a friend of God. God longs for us to come into His presence. The reason He sent His Son to die for us is so that the, our relationship broken by our sin could be paid for on the cross at Calvary so that our relationship with our Father could be restored. He longs to hear from us. Let us begin to pray daily for our hurting nation. The future is not in the government, and we need good government. It's not in the media. It's not in the world system. The hope of the nation is not in those things. The hope of the nation is in us. It is Christ in us, walking in and through us. That is the hope of glory. But we cannot walk around with empty tanks. We cannot do this in our own strength. It's in and through the power and authority of the Lord Jesus. Jesus specifically told the disciples to wait until the Holy Spirit came. They didn't know how long that waiting would be. But they waited on the Lord. And as they did that, the presence of God, I'm sure, began to increase and increase and increase. They went knee deep, ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep. And one day they were in over their heads. And the Holy Spirit came down in power. That's what we need, church. That's what we need in the church first, a revival so that that can flow from us. 
Let us, as Paul encourages us, in 4 Corinthians, verses 1 to 5, he encourages us to live a life worthy of the calling we have received. And how do we do that? It's amazing that word humble comes up first. This is how we receive this life worthy. In Philippians 2, it says, let us live a life worthy of the gospel. And Paul goes on then to speak, as I said, of the humility of Christ. And what did the first thing Jesus did? He humbled himself on our behalf. And let us be completely humble and gentle. Let us be patient. Let us bear one another in love. I love that translation. I love this one. Do you know, sometimes we just have to grin and bear it for the sake of unity. Sometimes we just don't, may not have to have a, an opinion, even though we feel we're right, for the sake of unity. Let us bear with one another, but let us do it in love. Let us make, as Paul says in verse 3, every effort to keep the unity of the bond of peace. This is how we live a life worthy. What is Paul saying here? He's saying that unity takes effort. As I said, it means we can't have our own way. We can't have our own opinion. There might be good ones. There might not be. But for unity's sake, let's make an effort. If we want to see the command of blessing of God, first the fire in the temple of the living God, that is us, and then that fire to spread across the nation, it starts with us walking in, hum in humility. And as I'm speaking to you, church, I've had to, I've been meditating on this. I've asked God clearly what to speak for a long time, uh, for, uh, for quite a while, would I say for this new year. And I've had to examine myself and realize that I have to deal with pride too. And I have to make an effort to bring more unity in the body of Christ. You see, because God finishes with in verse 5, there's only one Lord and Savior, and that is Jesus Christ. There's only one faith, and that is the faith that we find in and through Jesus Christ. Two, there's only one baptism, one God and Father and all, who's over all and through all and in all. Church, let us be part of the one church, the church Jesus is building. He says he will build his church. Let us get onto his building program. And he says, the church that he is building is on the rock. He is that rock that we are building on. And when the storms come, it will not be shaken and it will not fall down. It's an unshakable kingdom. And we're part of those living stones. We have been built into the very temple of God. Imagine that. We have the Holy Spirit the most powerful force in the universe, the creative 
ability of the Holy Spirit to create with God the Father and God the Son this incredible universe and then this beautiful place called earth that we live on. Church, don't we long to see that? You see, coming to God is not something we tick off on our diary. But sometimes we have to start like that. If we don't set a time where we are going to spend time with God, we will more than likely not do it. If you didn't have a time that you had to be at work in the morning, you would more than likely either not go or be late. Let us determine in our hearts. Let God create a pure heart in us. Let Him renew a steadfast spirit in us and let Him lead us into the ways of the everlasting God. If we could bow our heads, that would be amazing. And Father God, I just thank you for your mercy and grace upon our lives. I know I quote this often, but it applies to me often, that you separate my sins as far as the east is from the west. And when I confess them, you're faithful and just to forgive me. You cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And you choose in your sovereignty to never remember our sins again. Not only that, we have Jesus Christ. Do you think we pray a lot? Jesus in heaven is praying for us day and night. He is rooting us on. He is on our side. And I long to see, not only at Oceanside, but across this nation, fires of revival begin to spread. Church, it's time. It's our time to arise and shine. Thank you for listening. God bless you. Amen.